and welcome to the office podcast we are back with season three episode two and i'm so excited for you guys to actually hear what we're talking about today it's going to be quite um a topic that you do not want to miss and as usual i'm not alone but i'm with my girl kia hello kia hey lai how are you doing i am good i'm good i'm good how are you how have you been Oh my gosh, I think I've got like the typical um, final or you're in fatigue. It's like kicking in hard and it's so bad because I was just until December. And yeah, so I'm just trying to survive. Tried to make coffee this morning, but didn't have milk because I don't drink that coffee just to wake me up a little bit. You can only imagine what a long day it's been. But other than that, all is good, all is well, always fun. Um, we're doing this thing like any young professional should be doing it, right? And how's things on your side? All good. It's just been uh, a busy Monday. <laughs> we do record on, on Mondays sometimes, guys. Uh, so, but otherwise, it's just been busy. And I feel what you're feeling. It's like end of the year fatigue setting in. And it's also been quite interesting to see what our... Um, uh, what our audience and like what our listeners are talking about online with regards to the topic that we discussed um, on episode one about how they are finding working from home and um, tools d27 on Instagram uh, is saying that she feels like working from home has been great and she saved money and all of that but now it feels like it's been a long time working from home and she's finding hard to separate work from home that's, that's a fair point. Exactly. And I think we touched on that. That's, yeah, that's been quite hard to actually, you know, draw those boundaries. Uh, and Tabo L, also on Instagram, says things have definitely changed forever. And I do have to agree with that. And Uli Ziwe is saying that uh, she wants flexibility, uh, work from home. Um, she wants flexibility and working from home is given that, uh, but with the option to go to the office whenever she wants. So I think like a lot of people are actually um, for that, like the hybrid style of working. So I think like people want to go to the office, but not be there all the time. I definitely, you know, get that. And um, your thoughts here, have you changed your mind from last week? I haven't changed my mind. I definitely am a hybrid um, and I'd love to be a hybrid employee as well. So I have the option of going to the office every now and then because I still do enjoy um, the ability to just like stay home and get a lot of stuff done because um, I calculate the time spent getting ready for work, traveling to work, traveling back, settling in. You're not always in the right uh, space or right frame. So on the busiest days, I'd probably prefer to stay home. And then on days where I want to feel like doing coffees and lunches with uh, colleagues, I'd definitely love to um, do, it at the, do it at the office. But sadly, I've been told that we are not going back to the office anytime soon. So I'll probably only see that happening next year. Yeah, I think a lot of, um, particularly like a lot of big multinationals, like I know uh, tech companies are definitely not going to um, the office anytime soon. We've started going back. I think uh, I think from November we'll be back like twice a week, uh, but also like in shifts and all of that. So it's interesting to see how this is all going to unfold. Right. But thank you guys. Yeah. So thank you guys for all your comments. Please keep them coming on uh, Instagram, Twitter, and also on Facebook at the Office Podcast Essay. Please do tweet us, engage with us, and yeah, and we'll hopefully share some of your views on the show.
so moving on to today's topic i am so excited guys i've been waiting for this day forever <laughs> we are talking about saving for retirement yes and you need to listen to this so please Damn make straight. sure that you are listening <laughs> and uh today's guest is uh lungi lemashiko who is um a senior marketing manager in the finance and investment industry space and she's also the um, brains behind strip money conversations and she also does uh, a personal finances co- uh, contribution for the morning show on ETV welcome lungi welcome hi we hi some nice clappy, clappy sounds there we need some clappy clappy <laughs> sounds for this beautiful lady joining us yes. today. welcome thank you i'm so excited to be on your show today so lungi Let us know like um intru- let us know who you are introduce yourself a little bit before we get into this topic that I cannot wait to get into this heavy heavy topic um so I'm Lungile Mashego like you've said um I've been in financial services as a marketer for close to 10 years now which makes me feel a little bit old Um and I've been in this industry and learning obviously how to communicate with with consumers around financial products and obviously along that journey there's been so many lessons that I've learned and when I talked to friends and family the one thing that I picked up was that they don't know this information so mm. that's where stripped money conversations or podcast um came from is that i've got all of this information i know a lot of people in the industry let's have simple conversations about money and hopefully a lot of people will learn from that because hey the jargon is is intense there by financial services so um we try to simplify it on the podcast so that's who i am i'm also a mom to a 2 year old I'm married to my high school sweetheart <laughs> as yeah. well. Um yeah, so, so yeah, sweet. that's me in a nutshell. That is so oh, sweet. Great. <laughs> we are so happy to have you. And one thing that I really like that you just touched on before we even get into the topic is that you know like your podcast strip money conversations does like simple conversations around finances and like you say there's a lot of jargon, there's a lot of like terms that no one knows even i i feel like not even educated people know and it's not even about like mm. a level of education is that no matter how educated you are sometimes but if you're not um a finance person you might not even understand some of those things and to be honest mm. i feel like we are done a disservice by not teaching us finances and taxes and all of those things at school yeah out here in the real world it's rough <laughs> i have to agree with that rough. I have to agree with that. Um and for me I think it's the stats that scare me the most. Um even seeing the different stories even online on social media you have all these really um you know knowledgeable people who are still making really bad financial decisions and it's not because they don't want to do better it's just that they don't know any better and sometimes it's like only experience will teach you. So I'm so excited to have Lungi here as well because I think we'll ask her some really relevant questions that are not only relevant to the experienced um employee out there but also relevant to the up and coming graduate who has just maybe scored their first um permanent gig and has to deal with things like pension funds and retirement annuities but also knowing how to save um and how else to put money away for their retirement because also we the, we are the generation that believes in yolo right 
Um, you only mm-hmm. live once. And I think COVID also heightened that excitement to, uh, to be on some, well, what if I die tomorrow? But then also, what if you live for over 60 years? Then what? So we never really know where we stand. And so I think this was a very important conversation. So I do have to say thank you to Lumi again for, um, for joining us today. And maybe we can start um, live with some of the first questions. Yes. So I think just to start it off um, on something that uh, Uki had touched on, um, what is the difference between a provident fund and a retirement annuity? Maybe let's just start there because I don't think a lot of people know the difference. I know for sure I didn't know the difference for a long time. I just thought they were kind of the same. Yeah. So a provident fund is instituted by your workplace. So you'll know that when you start a new job, you're going to get loads of forms to complete. And how it works is that you belong to that fund as long as you are employed by that company. And what that does is that they take a portion of your salary and they invest it for you for your retirement. Um, What then happens is that when you retire, you're able to take your entire retirement benefit as as a lump sum, and you can choose what portion of it to reinvest in other funds so that it can obviously um, work for you in the long term. But before we start, we go there, right? Um, And okay, let me explain the retirement annuity. And I just want to explain retirement as well. What is this thing that we're talking about? Because that that is also, um, there's so many explanations of it out there. Um, But let's start with retirement annuity. And with the retirement annuity, it's the same goal. It is for saving for your retirement. But anybody can contribute to an RA. You can be employed, self-employed, already belong to a pension or provident fund. Most of the time, this fund that you invest in is outside of the organization that you work for. So you can then think, okay, cool. Um, The fund that my company provides is probably not going to be sufficient for my retirement. Let me find something else out there that will help supplement my provident fund. And what you do then is you go find one and you invest in one. The difference between the two is that um, on retirement, on the retirement annuity, because it's so heavily legislated, you can only take one third of your money as a lump sum. And the remaining two thirds must be reinvested in an income generating annuity. And that is fancy to say, you must take that money and reinvest it into something else that will give you money on a monthly basis that you can live off when you're retired. Okay. And just retirement, right? Um, Retirement is the time that you spend when you stop working. Um, Usually that's between the ages of 55 to 60, but people are living longer and some Mm. people are deciding to retire at 70 or not retire at all. Um, So now when you're still young, you really need to start thinking about how you will earn income during this period or save enough money during your working years to ensure that you at least you maintain the lifestyle that you have right now when you are 60 or 55 years old. That makes a lot of sense. And I think it's great that we started right here in the beginning because what we don't understand as Black people is mostly rather as black people, and I'm only referencing an article I actually read in SABC News, is that a lot of um, the challenges that we have from a retirement perspective is due to the fact that there's South Africa is dealing with a lot of intergenerational debt. 
Um, so young yes. people are not taught early in life to actually start saving. So I personally only made contact with the whole retirement annuity and pension fund discussions, I think, after varsity. I don't know about you, Lai, but for me, it was a conversation I only had when I started actually working. So I can only imagine um, someone who spends a lot of their 20s unemployed how do they even start having these sort of conversations about retirement annuity? And maybe the next question should be, who as a young person should I be speaking to about retirement annuities and pension funds? So do I call a Lungi on Twitter? Do I tweet Lighten? Who do I talk to? How do I get a hold of anyone? So how do I even start? You know, where do I start? People should start by understanding what their retirement goal is. And once you've decided that retire, saving for retirement is something that you need to know, and it is daunting as you get into it, like we talked about in the beginning, there's a lot of jargon and a lot of things that you don't understand. The right place to start is by speaking to somebody who is experienced at this, and that's normally a financial planner who will assist you in making the right decision for your um, retirement savings. And if anybody's experience is like mine, I also. So my parents are avid savers, but we've never really talked about um, investing for retirement in my in my young age. Um, but when I started, it wasn't my my second job, I'd say. That's when I sat down with a financial advisor who, who threw a lot of papers at me and said, sign here, this is what you get. This is, with no clear explanation in terms of what is it that I'm actually signing up for and how should I approach it as a young 21-year-old who's just starting off in the workplace? So unfortunately, as with everything that is money-related, a lot of the research you have to do yourself, even before you consult with a financial planner, so that you can ask the right questions in terms of what your goals are and what you want to achieve with your retirement. Um, using a professional always helps um, to help you clear up your mind and your decision-making as well. That's a good one, Lai. That is, that is such a good one. Um, and also, like, I think, you know, um, <laughs> I saw this meme on, online, actually, before I get into that, that say that, um, you know, as, uh, as uh, those uh, retirement um, calculations go, I think I'll literally be able to comfortably leave for two minutes after I retire, <laughs> which is quite funny. <laughs> And um, so my, my whole thing, I think like what I, what, what I need to sort of like um, for you to shed a light on Lung is that of course you need to start, you know, the younger you are, the better. But like when is, when is it the best time to start from like um, depending on when you get your job, like what and what should you prioritize when you start mm, looking at That's a very job? good question. Um, so my famous answer is the earlier you start, the better. You should have started yesterday if you haven't started mm. yet. But the earlier you start, the sooner you can get your money to work for you. Um, your 20s are really a great time to start because this is a time in your life when you can afford to put away a large chunk of money with, and you don't have a lot of expenses. I'm in my 30s now, and I remember how inexpensive life was way back then. Um, you know, you're living at home. I lived at home. Um, I didn't have much to, to contribute um, in the household. And I, mm -hmm. the first expensive thing I bought was a car, and that was really my only expense. My biggest regret is that I didn't start saving more at that point. So mm -hmm. 
if you're single child because you're in your 20s you're single you're child free and you're just really joining the adult workforce and you're earning adult money this is a point where you should start saving for retirement because you you don't know who's going to take care of you when you're older and in your 20s retirement might seem far but it's actually sooner it will be here sooner than you think let me give you um an example that i always give um if you start putting away um okay let's use 1000 you start putting away 1000 towards your retirement um at the age of 25 so 1000 rand a month and that money gets 10% growth on an annual basis you could have 5.5 million rand at your retirement and the majority wow. of that money would come from compound interest because when you actually calculated you would have only invested 480000 rand So where does 5.5 million come from? Right. It's just you having skin in the game, being in the market, being invested. That's what compound interest does. And that's the benefit of starting early with your investments. If you took that same 10,000 rand and you start now when you're 35, you would earn 40% less because you've missed out on the 10 years of compound interest. So mm-hmm. I think that's the, I think that just highlights for me the importance of starting early. And it's not just about your retirement savings. It's about anything at all. Um we all have goals, financial goals um that we have and the sooner you start saving or investing for them, the better. And the numbers speak for themselves. I don't even have to motivate you. Uh-huh. That is so that is- cool. that is actually quite you know enlightening and um and this compound interest looking at that you speak of can mm. you get off like a regular ia that you have let's say with you know a financial provider one name any companies or via your provident fund or is it like specific different types of um investments it's it's, it's it would be anywhere um so part of the research that you do when you going to invest in a retirement annuity um especially if you're going at it independently is to look at the returns that it, it it provides on an annual basis um and you do that by looking at the product's fact sheet so it's a document that really talks about the product's performance mm-hmm. and what you want to look at is what is the performance of that fund inflation is 6% so you really are looking for something that beats inflation um the example that i gave you of 10% is really the bare minimum of what um your investment product should do so now imagine that amount if um you got 15% returns or 20% returns um which a lot of the providers achieved last year um the, the amount could be exponential so the trick is to to look at the provider that you are investing in and do your research don't let the financial advisor choose the products for you without you understanding how 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 much they're going to return And I think the biggest issue with retirement is is with retirement planning is that and I've seen this in my own family somebody would be like I know I'm saving your saver um you know um keep at 3000 every month and the money is being saved but because you don't understand you you not you haven't built a relationship with your finances to make sure that you check on an annual basis what how is this fund performing you will find that in retirement when you need the money you only have say 200,000 and when they come back to you and they're like no the fund performed like this like this like this but because you haven't been able to check how well the fund is performing and if it's not performing you move it to a performing fund mm-hmm. that's where a lot of the 
the anxiety and depression. That's how it occurs in retirement because our parents think they're doing the right thing, but they're not being invested in what they're investing in. Ooh, look, listen oh. to that, invested in what they're investing Dropping in. Dropping bombs. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, but you have to have a very good relationship with the money decisions that you make and be on top of it. You can't leave it to a financial advisor to, um, to make those decisions for you. Jesus, I've been guilty yeah. of that until recently, mm. but I have, I have to say um, since starting or being employed, I've left, I've always left everything to a financial advisor. It's only recently that I have actually started becoming a little bit more active or proactive in actually finding out what this particular organization offers or what this particular financial advisor can get me or whether I'm overinsured because there are instances where you people really are overinsured and don't even know it. So I have to admit to everyone on this podcast as well as all the listeners that as much as you know things look cool on the outside, I definitely have been really bad with that. So Lungi makes a really good point there. I, de- I definitely have to take my out, but I can safely say that I've become a little bit more proactive in trying to fix that because it is a reality. And if I'm admitting to it now, I can only imagine how many people out there who are also employed mm-hmm. who are not aware of what is happening or how to take care of their savings and retirement like that, as you mentioned it. Yeah. My challenge to everyone listening is to start off by doing it once a year. I mean, you just ask for the fund fact sheet for that year in January and you look at how well this fund has performed and what it has meant for your savings and your goals. Um, and then at that, in that way, you can make better decisions and then you're starting to build that relationship with, with your money. You can't leave it to anybody else because mm. at the end of the day, you are the one who's retiring and you're the one who needs that money. Very true. Mm. Yeah, that is very true. I've actually like learned so much just by that because uh, I think like here, I also like left it out to um, a long time to actually do that and just make sure that I know what the money is uh, doing and really in Lunga's words, being invested in what I'm investing. I love that. I think I'm going to literally put it as- We need to trademark that. You need to actually (laughs) trademark it because it's so good. I had to write it down. Um, (laughs) So uh, Lunga, I've got like a few other questions, but then I wanted to know about, um, you know, like some tax breaks, tax benefits that come with this. Can you please like educate us a little bit for some people who might not know? When uh, in a provident fund, you'll find that most employers match what you put in. So they'll Mm -hmm. say, you put in 10%, we'll match it by 10%. And if you're lucky to find an employer that does that, put in the most amount of money that you can. Because it just means that they're going to match it, which means that you get more invested oh. into your retirement. Um, that's free money that's just waiting for you um, rather than only investing the minimum and they match the minimum. If they say the maximum is 30%, go 30%, then you know that you're investing a lot into your retirement and that will only benefit you in future. But okay, so both of those are tax deductible, member and employer contributions. Um, but with a retirement contrib- uh, retirement annuity, your contributions are also tax deductible. What this means is that you don't pay any tax in your ret- while you're paying for your retirement. There's no 
dividends withholding tax or any profit tax that you pay. But when you do retire, you are going to have to pay some tax. So that money will be taxed upon retirement. That sucks. Okay. Yeah, I can't get away you. from the tax, man. So oh, actually, we don't get away. And like, I'm so sorry to cut in, but um, the reason why I want to ask this question is because this tax question goes back to a point Lumi made earlier on around, um, the, you know, withdrawing a third um, once you leave a company versus two thirds that need to stay in. One trend that I've picked up with a lot of people, and it's not necessarily their fault, but also because money is constantly tight for people. But there's this thing where every time people resign, they actually withdraw from their pension funds instead of keeping it and reinvesting. Can you just explain to us what the implications of withdrawing every time you, you know, you move to another company um, are? So what are the implications? What are the tax implications? What does that mean for your future savings? Because this is a trend that happens quite a lot with young people mm. are, with, are resigning or leaving a company and then they try and withdraw money for current needs from their pension funds. Yeah, and I think it's such an easy thing to do, right? Because when you leave a company, they'll ask you, what do you want to do with this money? And who will say, I don't want it? Mm. Um, a lot of people are doing that. And, and to be honest, I'll admit I did that as well when I left my first job, but because I didn't know any better. Mm-hmm. Um, people do that because the money becomes accessible. You start thinking about, okay, cool. How am I going to make a good first impression at my new job? When um, life was mm-hmm. pre-COVID, it would mean maybe I need to get a new wardrobe. I need to buy a car or upgrade my car or whatever it is. And people find use for that money. But what that means is if you were at your previous company for five years and you were investing towards your retirement for five years, um, that amount of money is now lost. So all of the gains that we talked about that were compound interest related are lost. It means that you have to start all over again. You've lost five years of momentum um, while you are to get this money, which is an instant gratification thing. I always say to people, you've never seen that money. You've never touched it. So why touch it now? Think about it as money that you you don't have. Um, And then what I always advise people to do is move it on to your next employer. And what that means is that your next employer will just add on to the existing lump sum that you have. And then you still get the benefits of your money growing optimally for your, your retirement. Um, now I understand that a lump sum of money is always welcome, but then I implore people to think about their future selves because there's nobody else who's going to look after you if you don't um, in the long term. Mm, yeah, great. that is actually quite yeah, that's actually quite insightful, Lungi. Um, And I know that for a while because I'm a gay man and I don't plan on having kids, so I really <laughs> need to have this. You need to because you can't rely on any kids to look after you when you are old and gray, right? Exactly, exactly. Uh, and Lingy, just uh, you know, by touching on that with uh, moving into the next to your next um, employer, um, mm. can you? Is it possible? Like, what if the what if I'm on a different like uh, 
uh, don't want to mention any brands, but like, what if a different service provider was supplying, my, was providing my, uh, sorry, was servicing my previous employer, and now moving mm-hmm. to a different company, and they do have a different service provider? What happens in that case, and is it possible to have two reti- uh, retirement plans? Yes. So when you leave your employer, you've got two options. One option is to move your money to your new employer. So whatever, whoever they use, you can still do that. The service providers that each company use need to talk to each other and move your money across. That's normally like a one and a half month process because, you know, admin is so tedious. But that gets done seamlessly. You don't see the money doesn't reach your bank account. They just move it from one supplier to another. Another option that you can have. So we talked about people really needing that lump sum of money. Maybe there is a middle ground, right? So there's Mm -hmm. something called a pension preserver fund. It's called a preserver Mm -hmm. fund. And what you do is that you take your money and you put it into a preserver account. What that, ha- what that does is, is that it preserves that money. Um, it will stay invested um, for as long as you require until retirement. But the benefit of a preserver account is that you get one lump sum withdrawal. So if ever you come into a bind or you don't know what to do or you know, you're having financial difficulties, you can always use that as something to fall back on to say, okay, cool. I've got one lump sum withdrawal um, for the duration of this investment. Let me use that money um, for whatever it is that I need. So at least then you are having your cake and eating it too, because you're getting a little bit of money and you're still saving for your retirement. But obviously first prize is to just remain invested with your, Mm. your, your full amount. Mm. That makes a lot of sense. That is is so good. Um, and Lungi, how, um, how else can I save for my retirement? How, can, how do I diversify? What are options that are available out there that are good enough? I do know that mm. obviously you're not a financial advisor, but I think you know more than we know. And if there's anything that you know that you'd like to share, share that'll be like quite great and different options of investments that we can um, invest in over and above our retirement. So that let's say, as you mentioned with the pension preserver, let's say we want to dip in when we get into hard times or lose a job or we need to, you know, pay like a house transfer fees and stuff like that. Good one, house transfer fees. That's a good reason really to, to dip into that. Um, yes. I'm not a financial advisor, so everything is hashtag, this is not advice. But it's always a good idea to supplement your retirement savings, especially if you're just relying on what your company is um, investing for you. And I always say, the first thing that you need to do if you are thinking about investing in another format is to get a tax-free investment account. Hmm. And I say investment purposefully because there are tax-free savings accounts out there. What that does is that it it allows you to save a maximum of 36,000 Rand every year tax-free. So we talked about a retirement annuity where you're going to get taxed at retirement. With this product, there's absolutely no tax, which means that more of your money is going into growth. Mm. So I would say if you're wanting to diversify your retirement savings, start with a tax-free investment account. 
And um, you can get that from many providers and it comes in different forms. There are unit trusts from unit trust providers that are tax-free investment-based. There are um, ETFs, which are exchange-traded funds that you can buy tax-free. And there are also um, other investment platforms that provide investment services that provide tax-free investment bundles. And what that means is that it's a couple of ETFs put into one and you can purchase that um, as a lump sum and then you get exposed to more um, asset classes. Woo, now I've just said a lot of jargon, right? Um, yeah. <laughs> ETFs are exchange traded funds, which is basically like a unit trust. It's almost like you're buying a cake. There's, a, there's an existing cake and you're just getting a piece of that cake. It's got all of the ingredients. It's got all of the, the eggs and the chocolate, if it's a chocolate cake and the flour and all of that. Instead of buying the flour and the eggs, et cetera, separately, you buying the cake. So you're getting the benefit of the full investment, just one slice of it. That's what an ETF does. And one of the most popular ones is the top 40. That invests in the top performing 40 shares in the South African um, Johannesburg Stock Exchange. Um, so if you invest in an ETF like that, that already gives you diversity and you get it tax-free sounds like a good plan to me it is if you already have it yeah if you already have a tax-free investment account you can think about um unit trusts and um other types of portfolios individual shares as well um just to supplement your retirement savings is this what lungi can i ask is this what people will refer mm -hmm. to as liquid assets because um, I've heard people talking about making sure that you increase your liquid assets when it comes to planning for your finances in the future. Yeah, so depending on which shares and unit trusts you purchase, you can refer to them as liquid assets. And what a liquid asset is, is how readily available that money can be when you need it. So if you then decide to go into a an investment that locks your investment in for five years, that is not liquid. But if you do a tax-free investment account, which allows you to withdraw at any point of your investment, that is liquid. So it's it's about accessibility. Nice mm. one. Makes sense. Makes a lot of sense. I am learning so much today. <laughs> My God. <laughs> like learning so, so, so much. I hope you guys have been learning too. Um, and I, I don't have any further questions, Kia. Do you have any further questions for Lungi? So I actually want to share some stats um, from a report that came out this year. So it's the 10 times investment retirement reality report. It comes out annually mm. and it, um, you know, they survey a large number of South Africans just to see and test where we're at from an investment perspective. And I thought, let me share some facts. Obviously, you guys can go and check out their website directly. Um, but, you know, I just wanted to share some 2021 stats that are a little bit triggering and a little bit sad. But COVID has certainly had a take, have, has taken a toll um, on finances in every household. And what we're also seeing is half of the report respondents um, admit to not having any savings. Um, and a lot of them are not even planning, um, you know, are not even one, or it says rather not even one out of 10 are planning um, for retirement. And then on the earlier on, they also talk about um, about 50% of the respondents 
actually planning for retirement. But looking at the other 50%, um, or rather the 50% that is um, already planning, 50% of those, that 50% doesn't even know how much um, or know much about their plans. And that goes back to Lumi's point about us not being proactive in checking, um, you know, fund fact sheets and understanding exactly how our funds are actually performing. Only 39% of respondents in the survey believe that they understood their fund. Um, 64% of people surveyed could not even afford to save. So let's not let's just take it there because according to Stats South Africa, um, we are dealing with we are actually dealing with 49.2% of South Africans who live below the poverty line. So imagine being part of that 42%, 49% rather, and not even being able to meet um, your daily needs and now being required to actually save. So that was a scary stat. And then I also saw that 74% of respondents said that they will need to supplement their income after retirement. So meaning, and I'm going back to Lungi's point about how else can we, you know, support our pension funds from work, the RAs, mm-hmm. looking into the liquid assets. A lot of people can't actually live off the pension fund alone, so they will need to supplement that. And some people will probably start businesses or side hustles or anything of that sort. So that was those were some stats that I read about and that were a little bit scary. I would um, recommend that everyone do go there, 10 times investment. So it's about 10x.co.za, um, and they've got the retirement report there. I think one of the saddest things for me was the fact that of the you know of all these stats women are the hardest hit because women at retirement age have a higher life expectancy than men which means we need to require a we require a largely bigger retirement savings pot however we actually earn approximately 30 percent less than our male counterparts on average Mm -hmm. so those are some scary stats but i would definitely um what we'll do actually is share the report on our social media pages because I'm quite keen to have the masses read this and then it might just, you know, spark something in you to want to save a little bit more and do a little bit more for your future. I know it's YOLO, but I think let's rather play it safe um, and start yeah. saving. Yeah. Very I think good. we can get a balance. Um, I, that 10X report for me is always sobering. I think it's probably one of the, I'm one of the first people who reads it when it comes out. And each year you think it's going to get better, but it doesn't. Um, There's another stat that says only 6% of South Africans can afford to retire well, which Mm -hmm. means that the lifestyle that you're living now, (laughs) you you probably won't live it in retirement if you don't make the right changes. Like, and then you have lemonade pockets for champagne lifestyle. Mm. Yeah, we're living our best lives now. But then if you can't even afford the same lifestyle you have now when you're 55, can you imagine how long your life is going to be? And let's remember, the government grant is 1,900. At this moment, what do you do with 1,900 Rand? You probably use that to pay one bill. And what about the rest of your life? Um, It's it's sad. It's triggering. I, yeah, that report is always sobering. So please share it with the listeners. I think they'll be very interested to see what's in there and it will help scare them into making the right decisions. Probably will. 
probably will. I think I think more of us need to start reading that report, to be honest. Mm. And um, you know, like when we're just discussing this uh, report right now, I just thought of a few things. Um, Lungi, what happens if like uh, you know I'm a young person entering the work market, but like um, my company doesn't really offer you know like a retirement fund? What are the steps that I need to do? Uh, to do that and also like you know to put in context how much people earn when they start uh, working and usually it's not like that much so are there small efforts that you can start doing to just start cultivating um, um, yourself to to be in a better financial space and thinking about for sure, for sure. Um, the first thing you do is to get that tax reinvestment account that I spoke of <laughs> Mm-hmm. Yes. <laughs> I think that's the first thing that you can do to help yourself get there, to give yourself that kickstart. Um, and a lot of the financial services providers actually do cater for the younger person who is starting off working. I mean, you can invest in a retirement annuity from even 200 grand a month. Um, so it's a matter of you deciding, okay, cool, this is what I need to do for myself. And speak to a financial advisor and get their opinions on how you can get started um, with that. Um, there are many, many options out there. So although we are all in a, in a dire situation where we are all cash-strapped and really saving and investing is a luxury, um, if you do have that extra 100, 200 rand every month, start there and then you know, you'll catch up when you earn better or when you can afford to um, at a later stage. At least establish the discipline of getting started and saving towards um, your retirement or for your future self. Um, and then that will help work, work better for you. And a lot of young people struggle with this retirement thing, right? Because even now, as I'm sitting here, I'm in my 30s, I can't imagine my retired self. Um, I can't imagine my future self, which is another reason why people are not doing it. It's like, "Ah, I'll think about it when I'm 40. Yeah. But I challenge people to sit back and think about their future selves. Remember a few years ago, there was that face app where you could (laughs) take a picture and then it would age you. Maybe take one of those pictures and say, look at it and think about what is this person going to be earning every month? Mm. What is this person going to be? Um, relying on who can they rely on if they if you don't have those answers then you must really start thinking about how you can get yourself to a good place in retirement sure sobering sobering much sobering but then you know the hardships that we need to know and that we need to actually you know consider and yeah guys (laughs) you know what i feel like Money is always a tough conversation, but it's the conversation that's always worth having. Mm. So um, thank you, Lungi, for actually championing this and, you know, teaching us a lot about saving for retirement. And guys, if I haven't stated enough from what Lungi said, you need to be invested in what you're investing. Trademark that, Lungi. (laughs) We're actually going to make it a post. I think I'm going to put it up for everybody to see it. (laughs) it is brilliant yeah and also guys look uh look into the tax-free savings account as lingy mentioned uh, and just make sure that you start 
saving as soon as you can. I know most of us are late, but you know what? Better late than never. So the sooner you start saving, the better. Thank you so much, Lungi. This has been quite insightful. I have learned a lot and I thought I knew a few things too, but then I'm like, I was, you should have seen my face half of the time. I literally was just like, oh, disgusting. <laughs> Thank you so much, Lungi. It was really helpful. And hopefully our listeners have taken some nuggets and actually do something with it. But we will make sure to share a lot more with you guys from the conversation with Lungi on our social media platforms. So make sure that you follow us at of the office podcast essay. And it's time for tea time, you know, one of my favorite parts about the show. And I cannot wait to discuss this big topic. And we're discussing the Nando's debacle. What did you guys think about it? Okay, so uh, let me just give like a brief background of what happened and, um, and then we, t- we can take it from there. So as you all know that uh, Gareth Cliff has um, the banning platform, which is on Cliff Central, obviously, uh, that he hosts on his show. So, you know, they touch on a lot of like hot topics burning and it's sponsored by Nandos. And so like uh, on the 21st of October, they had an episode that featured Gareth Cliff with um, guest Maduli Rakivane and uh, John Stenhazen. Is that how you pronounce his last name? Not really sure. Stenhazen. Doesn't really matter yeah. to be honest. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, so uh, during that whole conversation, you know, the, obviously they were talking about um, a lot of uh, so, politics and elections and you know and service delivery and all of that and during their you know their uh discussion Gareth Kiss basically was talking over Muzuli and not letting her you know air out her views and then continuously saying that her uh, opinions were unimportant and her opinions of being how she was uh being affected like as a black women in South Africa. It was so crazy. I'm sure you guys, you know, have heard about it or seen about it or, you know, watched the show. So it's quite insane. What did you guys think about it before I get into my little digs? On my side, I didn't follow the story um, in detail, but I definitely caught bits and pieces of it. And I got um, to read the statement by Nando's. I think you know, one doesn't even need to read everything to know, you know, what's right and what's wrong. I definitely do have a stance. And my stance is that, you know, in as much as Nando's believes that everyone deserves to have a say, I think that podcast or that recording took away um, from at least one individual's right to say how they feel or how they experience the world, um, or at least give us a, a view of how they see the world from their eyes. So, I honestly was a little bit disappointed by the brand's response um, to the mm-hmm. entire thing. Firstly, it took them hours, I don't know, to deliberate and decide whether or not um, what, what was right and what was wrong. I think also coming, and maybe I'm going to play devil's advocate here, it's not always easy to come up with statements that quickly, especially when something is of such that could cause massive reputational damage. And that's only because I work in an industry where we always need to uh, be awake and know what you know and know exactly what to say when to say it they were clearly unprepared for this one so it was a very disappointing 
um, thing to see and experience. And it, it only, I think for me, goes on to confirm exactly what uh, people of color in the country have to experience on a daily. Yeah. Uh, and on my side, it was so disappointing to see. And only because, I mean, what we, we saw there was what happens in many boardrooms in South Africa. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I, I have been in a situation where I felt like I cannot say things mm. and or my voice does not matter. And I think it was triggering for me in that, in that respect that we still find ourselves in a place where people can be so confident in their opinions and in their stance of how things are supposed to be that they disregard the feelings and opinions of somebody else. Mm. So it was definitely disappointing. Um, we know Nando's as a quirky, very quick to the ball brand, right? And also being in the industry, I understand that these things take time, but it took so much longer for them to come out with that response, which is really unlike them, which Mm. then begs the question, um, do you even know what you're sponsoring? The biggest lesson for me as a marketer um, from this debacle is to is to always know what you are sponsoring because in some instances you sponsor a platform because you you look at the numbers right you look at this podcast has five thousand downloads every week and therefore it makes good marketing sense to sponsor it. Um, the lesson for me here was look deeper than the numbers understand yeah. the people in the room and understand how they engage with other people it's not just about the numbers so yeah it wasn't a good um weekend story to to follow up on and read on yeah definitely i definitely agree with what you both said and i think you know like for me i think there were like two things that i, I really battled with or Rather, you know, had a lot to say about whichever way uh, you like to take it. But for me, it's like, you know, to your point, looking about, you know, um, what happens in most boardrooms in South Africa, I just felt like there was there was so much subtext to that uh, interview. Like it was, you know, there were like undertones of like sexist and above all d- the disrespect, you know, because I feel like had it be, had Muzuli been like, uh, in that conversation, that wouldn't have happened. And I feel like Gareth is smart enough. He knew what he was doing. And, um, and you know, like, I don't think it was like any, in any way, like, you know, slip of the tongue or whatever. I just feel like, you know, it was just how you felt at that moment and whatnot. And I also, you know, and which was disappointing because I think he's like a fabulous broadcaster. But then again, like sometimes, you know, you, you know, you can't separate certain things. And um, yeah, so I just felt like, you know, there's like lack of respect and there's like quite sexist, even how, you know, John was sitting on the side and not saying anything. And you can even see uh, from, you know, the statement um, that was released by both parties, like, you know, with uh, Nandos and also like the DA, like uh, pretending like they don't agree with everything that happened in that podcast. Meanwhile, he didn't say anything and he's the leader of the party and he clearly saw what was happening. And I mean, like a Stevie Wonder could see what was happening. So it's just like, it's, exactly. it's, it's 
it's so crazy to me. I don't understand why it like had to be escal escalated to that point. And also with um, what, touching on what you said, learning about what brands need to learn from this, you know, like learning what you're sponsoring, but it's also learning to be prepared for like mm -hmm. crisis forms. I think it's something that we do not focus enough on as brands like in general i work in advertising so like you know i'm speaking from experience for over the years that brands need to literally have a, a, a crisis book that is always there for that day that things just go left and you know like how to sort of like plan and how to you know action certain things and i particularly didn't like like what they went out with on twitter initially i just felt like it was just, it was not good. The, I, I felt like they actually would have rather stayed a bit longer and come up with something a bit substantial than like that whole tweet that they did initially. I just felt like that was, you know, ugh, it was, yeah, it, like it really made me grind my teeth. And even their statement, what was quite interesting to see was that um, obviously they did terminate their sponsorship of the burning platform, but it was also um, them living out anything uh, living out John out of the whole equation and of course he wasn't saying anything but for me it's like if you are in a situation where someone is really being treated unfairly and you do not say anything you are guilty and you know and it's just like one of those things I feel like people need to take responsibility for certain things so I was quite disappointed by those things and hopefully our favorite fried chicken or not fried chicken our favorite chicken place can do better next time and hopefully this doesn't you know like um i don't know if it's going to affect you know like um their reputation um in big ways in terms of like profits but i definitely think from a sentiment point of view particularly from like social media and and um online it has definitely created a dent yeah, I think the um, majority will probably still be heading to Nando's or anything of that sort. But yeah, I think Nando's just needs to, and I actually feel like they know exactly what they're sponsoring. They just don't care. So I, I feel like they need to just get it together. And they, they're playing politics is cute, but I think they need to know it, when to draw the line as well. So that's my final potting shot there. Any final thoughts, Lungi? Yeah, I think... Like I said, I think it's such an, an unfortunate place that we, we found ourselves, well, they found them, themselves in. And, you know, Gia, you mentioned that you think they, they knew exactly what they were doing and what they were sponsoring. And I, and I think Gareth Cliff is a charismatic guy. We all know his previous scandals and all of that. So I know with every brand, before you engage with anybody, you do your research and you find out who the person True. is and you... They, they dig up your skeletons. Mm -hmm. I mean, we dig up your skeletons, whoever we engage with as, as brands. Um, so they definitely knew the risk that they were taking. And I completely agree with Lighten that crisis comms is really one of the most underrated things in marketing. And it becomes when it, it, it becomes so important when you need it. But when you don't, it feels like you don't need to do it. Um, mm -hmm. So, yeah, I think brands should really focus on that as well. I think brands are treating crisis comms like us, the young people, treat retirement saving. <laughs> oh, you took it there, like Such a jab. Such a jab. Be ashamed of yourself. Love that. <laughs>
And on that note, guys, uh, thank you so much to our guest today, Lungi Lemashiho from Strip Money Conversations and also a contributor for The Morning Show on ETV under personal finances. Thank you so much for your time. We really appreciated it and we learned so much. Thank you. I love being here. Great, guys. And uh, thank you for listening. And can, you can join in on the discussion online via the, uh, our social media channels, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, at the Office Podcast SA. Make sure that you follow Lungi's uh, podcast, Strip Money Conversations, on all your reputable uh, podcast platforms. And also follow her on Instagram at Strip Money Conversations. And Lungi, are you also on Twitter? Under the same handle? Yes, we are on Twitter under the same handle at Strict Money Conversations. Great, guys. Uh, let us know how you're doing in terms of like your retirement, what you're thinking, what you learned, what you're excited about, and we cannot wait for uh, the next episode. Thank you so much, guys. Thank you. Thank you so much, Lai. Thank you, Lungi, and it's been awesome. <laughs>